This is Cruise Radio. Cruise Radio is sponsored in part by TripInsurance.com, making it easy to buy travel insurance at the best available price. Get a quote today at TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here, my friend. This week, we get a review of Princess Cruise's new ship, Sky Princess. Just launched like a, a month ago. Yeah, about that. Also, Sherry is here with Cruise News. And as always, don't forget about Cruise Radio News, our daily quick kits of the news, Monday through Friday. Find it where you listen to to your favorite podcast, just search Cruise Radio News. All right, Sherry Laskin is here with Cruise News. Hey, Sherry. Hey, Doug. So Royal Caribbean had to cancel five upcoming cruises. Yeah, so guests booked on five sailings of Royal Caribbean's Liberty of the Seas from Galveston were notified that their cruises have been canceled. So sorry, Valentine Cruisers, because the first of the canceled sailings begins on February 14th. 2021. Royal Caribbean stated that the reason for the five cancellations is because the scheduled dry dock for Liberty of the Seas will take longer than initially anticipated. But the good news is that the impacted sailings are still a long way off, and this should give book passengers enough time to find an alternative cruise. So if your sailing was one of the five that was canceled, And if you rebook aboard either the Liberty of the Seas or the Jewel of the Seas, Royal Caribbean will honor your original stateroom category at the same rate. That won't include fees, taxes, or gratuities, however. But those that do this will receive an onboard credit of $200, whether you've booked an interior, ocean view, or a balcony stateroom. And those who rebook their suite will receive a $400 onboard credit. Now, the other option you can choose is to book any other Royal Caribbean cruise, and you'll receive the same onboard credit plus an additional $50 for each third or fourth passenger. If you decide to cancel, you will get a full refund, and of course, but be warned, if Royal Caribbean doesn't get your new reservation or cancellation request by January 22nd, the reservation will automatically be canceled without compensation or refund. Well, that sounds fair. Yeah. I mean, they don't want you to just, you know, slack off on this. They they want to know if you want to rebook. Yeah. Both uh, passengers and travel agents were notified of these cancellations. And speaking of cancellations, Holland America also axed a cruise. Yeah, they did. So Holland America just announced they have canceled the February 1, 2020. So this is just a couple weeks out. uh, The sailing of the New Amsterdam. The ship will be going into dry dock for repairs New Amsterdam, the ship has had trouble with one of their Azipod engines, and this happened again last month. So Holland America has decided it's time for a repair. The Caribbean cruise is canceled, and the ship will instead just head for the shipyard at Grand Bahama Island. So what can you do if you're booked on this cruise? Well, you can switch to any other 2020 winter or spring seven-night Caribbean or Mexican cruise in the same stateroom category and you'll receive a future cruise credit equal to 100% of the cruise fare paid to use on another future voyage. Now, if you want a different destination, you can have this, that amount that you paid applied to a brand new booking, but your future cruise credit will be 50% of the cruise fare paid. And at this time, there's no change announced to the February 8th departure, which is also round trip from Fort Lauderdale. 
Well, it's only going to Freeport, so get to Freeport, switch that Azipod out, come back to Port Everglades, and start sailing again. Uh, one would think. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. one would so, hope, especially if you're on that February 8th departure. <laughs> you got that right. You better have travel insurance. Uh, yeah. So Carnival Corporation has donated a lot of money to the Australian wildfires. Yeah, they have. So Carnival Corporation and the Arison Family Foundation have pledged to support disaster recovery efforts from the devastating fires in Australia. Both organizations have pledged they will donate a total of $1.25 million. The source of the funds is broken down into $1 million from the Mickey and Madeline Arison Family Foundation and $250,000 from the Carnival Foundation and five of the company's brands. So they're they're pitching in. You know they have a lot of ships in Australia. A couple are year round. So you know it behooves them. You know just to give back what they're taking. Well, and, and also and, I read this is also a pretty cool thing too. Guests on Carnival Splendor and Carnival Spirit. So both of those ships are sailing from Australia mm-hmm. right now. Their cruise directors on both ships. They dressed up in a ball gown and went down the water slide, and they were trying to raise money to do this so you would donate to watch the cruise director actually do it <laughs> and between the two ships they raised over fifteen thousand dollars in additional money to donate to australia so i think that's cool that not only carnival corporation and the arisons are stepping up but also the guests on board the ships are doing it too yeah and it's it's just you know it's so horrible that you know if i was cruising down in that area too how could you not give something back here you are in a luxury sh- you know in a on a ship, which is luxury to some people, and not give something, not donate something. So I'm glad to hear it. That's yeah. good for them. It's heartbreaking, all those animals that have, uh, oh. yeah, like over a billion at this point, they're saying. It's so just insane. Um, it's, this well, our final story here, amount. Sherry, and we don't see this that often, but Carnival announced they're doing two transatlantic cruises for 2021. Yeah, and this is kind of interesting. So Carnival Cruise Line just announced that the Carnival Valor will depart from New Orleans on a 15-night transatlantic crossing to Barcelona. The departure date is set for, get this, Monday, January 25, (laughs) 2021. So the first stop on the winter crossing after six sea days in the Atlantic in winter will be in Bermuda. And we'll have a port call there from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Then there'll be five sea days. The next stop will be Funchal, Madeira for a full day in port. A sea day and then on to Malaga, Spain and Valencia, Spain, followed by arriving into Barcelona. And then the 17-day dry dock will begin if you'd rather cruise westbound. And the weather's not going to be any, <laughs> any better. The Carnival Valor returns to New Orleans um, on February 26th. It will depart from Barcelona. And ports on the return voyage include Cartagena, Malaga, and Funchal. But here's with a little... Kind of a neat little thing. So after the crossing, the ship, the Carnival Valor, will head to St. Martin and San Juan before returning to New Orleans. And if you're just curious what's going on in New Orleans, the Valor does four and five night sailings. The four night sailing goes to Cozumel. The five night sailing adds Progreso, Mexico, which is located on the Yucatan Peninsula. And just a little side note, if you're wondering why Carnival Valor is going to Europe rather than the Bahamas for its dry dock. If you think back, um, last April, there was a crane accident and when the Oasis of the Seas was in dry dock in Grand, bah- Grand Bahamas. We were just talking about that, you know, with the repairs and the clo- they had to close the shipyard. So the dry docks have become backlogged. So now ships are heading over to Europe in the most 
extreme months rather than being able to go to the Bahamas. Have you ever sailed the transatlantic in the wintertime? I did. I did a December, but you, you know, it was on Queen Mary too. And, and it was hilarious. I was a nervous wreck for the first couple of days. I mean, we're locked inside. You couldn't go out. You couldn't, you couldn't go on deck. And I would head down to deck three, which is almost at the water level. And no kidding. Um, sitting in the, the, um, the pub, the waves would totally cover the windows. You couldn't see anything. And then when the waves finally cleared, all you could see was a blizzard and it was horizontal snow for three full days. So I like that. It's like you're in a washing machine. It was like being in a washing machine. And then all of a sudden the skies cleared. It was still, you know, below freezing outside, but everybody was outdoors. And, you know, a lot of these, a lot of the people on Queen Mary two are Brits and they are just hearty. They're used to walking in, you know, outside in, in rain and snow and sleet. Right. They were making their laps. They were doing laps around the ship. It was like I could barely walk outside. Listener question comes from Michael. We are going on a celebrity cruise from San Diego to Vancouver in March, and we were wondering about any possible excursions in Los Angeles. We'll be docked at the LA World Cruise Center in San Pedro from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Yeah, well, first of all, I'm wondering why celebrities going north to Vancouver in March. That's kind of interesting. But yeah, you know, there there's a there's a good handful of shore excursions that you can do from San Pedro Port. And of course, as you and I know, you can take a tour of the Queen Mary, the old Queen Mary that's docked there. Um, and that's, a, you know, I think that's a great way to spend the afternoon touring the ship, doing the ghost tour, having lunch. But if you if that's not your thing, you can head over to the Aquarium of the Pacific. You can always catch a ride out to Venice Beach, which is pretty colorful. And right there at San Pedro Port, which is, this is, I found this really interesting, is the battleship Iowa. So it's right there. And you pull in almost right, it's like right in front of you. Another interesting thing to do, you can go for a gondola ride in Long Beach. So it turns out that Long Beach, California and its Naples Islands are sister cities to Venice. So you know, it just makes sense. So now you have gondola rides in a little area of Long Beach called Little Italy. So you can find all that information out online. Your cruise line, I'm sure, will offer it, offer many of these as an excursion for the day. But those are the ones that, that Doug and I are familiar with. So that's why we're just mentioning them. So while you were talking, Sherry, I was looking up this itinerary, and it looks like this ship is actually going up to Vancouver via LA and then going over to do a cruise to Hawaii and then back to Vancouver in order to kick off the 2020 Alaska season. Yeah, they're starting earlier this yeah. year up here. Um, I, you know, Sitka is expecting their first ship. I should know the exact date, but I don't. But it is early in the season. And um, yeah, it's, it's chilly up here. So, you know, dress appropriately. And crossing over to Hawaii in March could be a challenge. We all do it. And like you said earlier, you know, it's fun when it's like a washing machine, as long as you don't get seasick. You keep talking about this washing machine. Have you ever actually been inside one? <laughs> you mentioned it first. <laughs> and no, I haven't. Thank you very much. Although I do watch them from the outside when they have a little glass. It's like a porthole, right? Yes. Into a washing machine. It's a virtual cruise. We've been talking with Sherry Laskin from CruiseMaven.com. Thank you, Sherry. Thanks, Doug. Check out our blog, the video page, and interact at CruiseRadio.net. When is your next cruise? Where are you going? And what are you going to do once you get there? 
Market-leading specialist CruisingExcursions.com offers savings up to 60% offshore excursions versus cruise line prices. Whether it's private, shared, scenic, historic, or family tours, CruisingExcursions.com has up to 12,000 excursions in over 700 ports worldwide, like Rome, Vatican City, St. Petersburg, Sydney, and Jamaica, just to name a few. You can even bundle your excursions for more savings. Make your next vacation affordable and unforgettable by visiting CruisingExcursions.com. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. If you have an Amazon Alexa-enabled device, ask her to enable the Cruise Radio News skill so you can get daily updates anytime. Straight from Cruise Radio. Kristen and Scott just returned from a three-night inaugural cruise on Princess Cruises, Sky Princess. And Kristen joins us on the line. Hey, Kristen. Hey, Doug. So I'm excited to talk about Sky Princess because we're kind of crossing each other on the gangway. You were getting off, and I was getting on for the day for the christening ceremony. So before we talk all about this ship, let's get some pre-cruise thoughts. Why did you want to sail this inaugural on Sky Princess? Well, we've really enjoyed the Royal-class ships. Uh, We've been on both Royal Princess and Regal Princess. So when we saw the opportunity for a three-day cruise out of Fort Lauderdale on Sky Princess, we figured out we could squeeze that into the vacation plans for 2019. And so that's, uh, that's why we booked it. Did this have anything to do with building loyalty with Princess or was this strictly a new ship, I want to sail it? Oh, that absolutely played into it for sure. We did two uh, short cruises, uh, as you know, earlier this year, three night and a one night. And so, yeah, so this was yet another yet another step toward uh, reaching elite status on Princess. And you make your way down from St. Louis down to Port Everglades in a pre-cruise time? Yes, we always fly in a day early. We stayed at the uh, at the new Fairfield Inn and Suites by Las Olas. Enjoyed that. Then uh, the next day, of course, boarded Sky Princess. Just curious, Uber costs from the airport to your hotel and then from your hotel to the port? We took Lyft. It cost us about $15 uh, to go from the airport to the hotel. And then we used Lyft again to get to the port. And that was about $9. Now let's talk about the embarkation process because Sky Princess is the first princess ship that was built from the keel up with the medallion program or a medallion class, I guess they're calling it. So how was the embarkation using the medallion and the ocean medallion? And actually, uh, before we get to embarkation, is it kind of like Disney where they send you your stuff in advance? Yes, that's correct. So we got we got our medallions, I think about, I want to say about a, a week to two weeks maybe about two weeks out after you go through the whole check-in online on the website, 
enter in all your doc, you know, information about your documentation, et cetera, then they'll send the medallions out. So yeah, similar to how you get your magic bands for Disney in advance. So we had our medallions with us when we arrived at, uh, at Terminal 2. Uh, in in Port Everglades. And the medallion technology really just totally streamlines everything with check-in. All we just, we, they had several people there with basically like iPad um, kiosks. And we just went up, tapped our medallion, showed us our passport. And that was it. It was, it was that part of the embarkation process was extremely efficient. And from curb to ship, how long would you say? Well, that was a little bit slower than we had hoped. So we had arrived to the terminal about 1030 and we got to through security and through the check-in with the medallions uh, in about 15 minutes. And then we were in the priority embarkation lounge area by that point in time. However, the prior cruise, because of course this was supposed to have been the first inaugural cruise out of Fort Lauderdale. Originally, the tr- the ship was going to do its transatlantic, arrive in Fort Lauderdale on the first, and then it was going to have, we presume, a couple media days, media events. Maybe the christening was supposed to have happened then. I'm not really sure. But then the first cruise leaving Fort Lauderdale was supposed to be our cruise on the fourth. Well. Along the way, Princess decided to throw in another inaugural cruise right ahead of us. So there was a cruise actually that left on the 1st and arrived back on the 4th. There were a lot of folks that chose to do back-to-backs. And clearing those in-transit passengers from the 1st took quite a long time. Apparently, some of them were uh, not able to be found on the ship. <laughs> so they uh, some people dawdled, I guess. And so we actually didn't get to start boarding our cruise until about quarter to 12. So normally, you know, from, from past experience in boarding Port Everglades, we'd be starting boarding, oh, 11, 11.15. Mm-hmm. So we got, we got a little... A little delayed, waiting for those uh, straggler in transit folks to get <laughs> to get processed and back on the ship before we could start boarding. I wonder why they added that extra cruise. I wonder if it was like to beef those Q four numbers up for Carnival Corporation. You know, I don't know. There was there was a lot of speculation on on the roll call boards about you know that cruise. A lot of people were you know kind of ticked off at the fact mm-hmm. you know we were supposed to be the inaugural, so we ended up being the second inaugural because they kept <laughs> calling our cruise still an inaugural when you looked at it on the website booking, even though yeah. it wasn't technically the inaugural anymore. You put one ahead of us, but whatever. Yeah. Unfortunately, so, you know, unfortunately we couldn't, we couldn't add on. We didn't have the vacation days to, to mm-hmm. tack on that cruise uh, on top of this one. So, oh, well. So you go to Embark Sky Princess. What deck did you embark on and what were your impressions of this brand new ship? We came in on Fiesta deck, deck six, and you come right into, into the, into the Piazza area. The Piazza was very similar uh, in in styling and decor to the Piazza area on the other royal class ships that we've been on. So it's quite quite beautiful. What what was definitely though, as we moved out of the Piazza area and into other sections <clears throat> of the ship, both public space and certainly when you got into the the stateroom areas, is that with this ship there has been a very welcome refreshing of the color palette that Princess is using. Not all the beige, uh, the, the beige of, of the past uh, Princess ships is gone. And now you saw more more taupes and gray, teal and blue. It, it really, 
I felt modernized it more in the in the styling, perhaps, of what we've seen on recent celebrity ships or even MSC. And it was it was a welcome for, for us. We thought it was a really a welcome refreshing of of the color palette. Very good. So you make your way to your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you book and what did you think of it? So we tried a couple different things with this cruise. One is we wanted to stay on the Lido deck. We'd never been on the Lido deck before and wanted to see if that was a a good choice in terms of being close to things like the buffet um, or the pool area. Um, The other thing that we did with this this, uh, cabin is we booked a uh, forward-facing mini-suite. So our deck was two decks above the bridge, and we looked out at the very front of the ship. And we've never been, we've been forward, but not as far forward as you can possibly be on a ship. Um, and when you walked into the room, the room was oriented horizontally. And and what that meant was, is that the balcony for this mini suite was absolutely gigantic because it was the full width of the room. You literally could probably have had at least 10 people on our balcony mm-hmm. and still had room. It was it was that big. Um, now, you know this this cruise, the cabin we loved it. We absolutely loved it. It's probably one of our favorite cabins that we've ever had. It was very spacious. Like I said, because of the orientation of it, um, you couldn't you couldn't beat the the space on the balcony. Um, we of course had it, we had absolutely picture perfect weather for this three three days. So the seas were just like glass, no, no wave action whatsoever. Um, at most, maybe a little bit of a gentle breeze, certainly nothing, nothing significant. That's a, that's a, for some people who are either more sensitive to motion, obviously, um, or sometimes, you know, if there's, if there's a lot of wind on the cruise, people have felt like they couldn't really, you know, make a lot of use of the balcony because, of the forward facing nature of it. It it worked out fantastic for, for us and and the weather that we had. Um, So we, we very much enjoyed, very much enjoyed the cabin and we really liked being on the Lido deck. You know, normally when I, when we book cabins, we're always very careful to make sure that we're picking cabins that are above us and below us are both are all staterooms, you know, no public, you know, deck areas to avoid, you know, possibility of noise, you know, that kind of stuff. So I was a little, you know, I was not sure how the Lido deck would work out right. Um, But because the section of the cabins on the Lido deck, basically the only reason you'd be in that section at the very front is if you had a cabin in that section. Mm -hmm. So you didn't have like random people, you know, traffic in the, you know, outside your stateroom, just as people were, you know, transiting to and from, right? Um, So it really was, super, super quiet in that section. Very good. Let's talk about dining on this cruise, and we'll start at the Horizon Court, which is their buffet. Well, actually, on this on this ship, the buffet has been renamed, and it's now called the World Fresh Marketplace. And it's definitely a top-quality buffet. You have a lot of different choices, a lot of different options from from a, a, a nationality perspective in terms of the types of cuisine that's offered, um, all kinds of, you know, choices with regards to, to salads and, 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 and all, you know, more, more healthy choices uh, available than uh, maybe on a, on a standard buffet. Um, of course, there's a whole dedicated section that's just for pastries and, and, and yummy desserts. Um, so it's, it's definitely um, a, a, a step above the, for sure, a big step above the old, uh, the old Horizon Court, both in terms of the 
off the quality of the food, the quantity or the, uh, the offerings, the type of choices you have, and just, it's a lot larger. And so it's very much, it's very easy to, uh, to find a seat. You know, I was really impressed too, because, you know, I only, I really have, I think Regal and Royal Princess to compare this class of ship to, but I felt like there was more selection. Like you can get, like I had a sampling for my lunch. So I did mm-hmm. like the taco bar. I did the pasta bar. I did the meat carving station, the salad bar. Well, I really sound like a a pig here. And then I spent a little bit of time in the pastry section. And I really do love how they have that dedicated kind of right dead smack in the middle of the buffet, a wide open pastry shop with them pumping out fresh pastries, fresh desserts. You have your bread pudding in there. And it was just, yeah, it was such a good experience um, dining in there compared to the other ones. Let's talk about the outside because there is there's what sliced pizza and something else on the deck out there your other options available to you on the Lido deck are um, sliced pizzeria so uh, you can get either uh, margarita or pepperoni uh, flavors of pizza and of course it's it's the it's the classic princess pizza um, which has a well-deserved reputation for being uh, one of the best if not the best at sea Um, but in addition the sliced pizzeria has also added has added some additional items so you can get what they call a pizza boat so it's sort of like sort of like a half of a calzone if you will they have a couple different toasts so you can get a caprese toast you can get an avocado toast and then i think they also had a stromboli sandwich as well so they've have some additional dining option or some other food options besides pizza and then this ship has the salty dog grill so you can get hamburgers hot dogs they do street tacos um, fries, uh, loaded fries, and this is where uh, the one item that is an is an upcharge. It's five dollars. You can get the Ernesto Burger. So on some of the other Princess ships, there's the Salty Dog Gastropub, <clears throat> and that one of the items that's probably probably the most popular item from that is the uh, is the Ernesto Burger. So what they've we don't have a Gastropub on on sky princess but they but they did bring that one item over for the the salty dog grill so you can get that and scott had had that before when we sailed ruby princess i had not tried it so on this on this cruise that was one of the that was one of the things i wanted to try and it was it was good And how about the main dining room? So we ate in the main dining room once. We do anytime dining. We were in the Estrella dining room. This was on the second day of the cruise. And it was the, that was, they called, that was the gala night. Now we didn't have, this was with a three night cruise. It's always smart, casual, no formal nights, of course, but they want to give you, deny you the opportunity for having lobster in the dining room. So the gala dinner menu was offered and that's where you can get the broiled lobster tail. So we decided that was a good, a good night to go to the dining room. We enjoyed everything that we had. There were some newer items from an appetizer perspective and a dessert perspective that I had not had before on past cruises. And then some familiar favorites as well. We thought we had good service. We had random people that we sat with and we all had a fantastic, fun evening. So yeah, it was a really good, it was a really good meal in the dining room. All right. Very nice. Let's talk about the specialty restaurants. I know that you were only on for three nights, but were you able to squeeze any in? we did. Uh, so first of all, when we got on board, what's become our our new tradition is to dine at Alfredo's Pizzeria. Now that actually is a complimentary uh, dining option and you can get additional 
uh, different types of flavors of pizza besides the two, like the, you can get the two flavors that you can get up on the, on the pool deck, but there's about six or seven additional flavors of pizza that you can choose from. There's also salads that you can get there. We always like to get the little veal pasta pockets, which are just divine and love those. So that was what we did actually on embarkation day for lunch. And then we had not since since we have not sailed Majestic, this was our first opportunity to try the Bistro Sur la Mer restaurant, specialty dining restaurant. So you're, there's a couple different options you can do with that. Of course, you can do a dinner um, uh, option, but they I had, we had heard from friends of ours who had been on the transatlantic um, cruise that they also would offer a brunch option um, on at least some sea days. And so that's what we decided to do. Um, it's, it's a little cheaper. It's only $19 cover charge as opposed to, um, uh, I think it's 29 for dinner. And so that's what we decided to do on our, on our sea day is do, is do the brunch. The food was, was outstanding. Um, we were quite stuffed <laughs> at the end of brunch. This specialty restaurant is really out in the open in the piazza. It's, it's not an enclosed dining area like, as for example, Sabatini's, the Italian restaurant on board, is in a completely enclosed room. Sir Le Maire just sits right off of the piazza atrium. So literally people are walking by, especially if you have, if you have a table right towards the outside. So you're, you've got the, the music, the background, I don't know, classical French, whatever music that's, that's being played in the restaurant. And then that's competing against whatever the heck music's going on in the piazza. Mm, (laughs) So it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of jarring. Um, So if, you know, the, the recommendation is, you know, try to be Try to either go for the, if, if the weather's nice, go for the outside dining, or at least try to get yourself at a table that's as close to the, the windows and as far away from the piazza as you possibly can if you want to try to somewhat minimize that kind of ambient noise that's coming from the piazza. So that's, I don't know, that's a little, that's a little strange. I feel like if you're going to have a specialty dining restaurant with an upcharge, it should be in an area that's contained, I yeah. guess. All right, let's talk about the entertainment on Sky Princess. What did you think? We were, of course, excited to have a couple of new production shows to see. Uh, and there are two new ones that have debuted on, on Sky Princess. So the first night we saw the production show called Rock Opera. And this is really, I mean, it's it's basically a collection of show tunes. They were pretty heavy on The Greatest Showman. So if you're a big fan of songs from that, there was, I think, at least three that were done from that movie. 80s songs, some other classic rock. There was at least one, I think, one opera tune. And the feature with this is that the featured entertainer that joined onboard singers and dancers was Brian Justin Crumb. So those of you who are fans of America's Got Talent, you will recognize uh, him uh, from that uh, from that show. And so he was he was the featured singer. So it was, you know, a show that's put together of a variety of songs, not really much of a plot, but it was, you know, good, nice. It was entertaining. Enjoyed it. So that was good. Then the second night... We got to go to the brand new, I think literally our cruise, I think may have been the first cruise that they offered the Jim Henson inspired silliness puppet show. So this is an exclusive thing that Princess has collaborated with uh, with Jim Henson. And this show is done in the back of the ship in the Vista Lounge. So it's not done in the Princess Theater. It's done in the back um, in the Vista Lounge. And 
it's a show that they show different TV clips. And it's really to talk kind of the, the history, really, of how Jim Henson career progressed and and the the types of, of puppet work that he did and, and how that progressed over time. And and so you would see different, they have little segments, you know, here was, here was uh, puppets that were on maybe the Tonight Show um, or other, or other, or, or daytime talk shows or something like that. And so they would have these little, little video segments and then they would have the, as an intro to then seeing those puppet skits live performed. And some of these apparently have not been performed live I guess in in many many years. So it was a lot of fun, and they actually integrated some of the princess singers and dancers. And I wasn't expecting that that some of those folks are actually part of the show and interact with the puppet the puppeteers. It was cute. I, I really liked it. I, I hope that it'll be well received by uh, princess passengers because I think it's really something interesting and unique. And then we also did stargazing that night. So um, Princess has partnered with Discovery for several different, you know, I think they sponsor different ship excursions and other things. Well, one of the things that they partnered with them is to do a stargazing program. So you go all the way up to the very, very top where the little mini putt-putt course is, and you have headsets on, and it takes you through, you know, pointing out different constellations. And, and we were, we were, pretty good we had we had a, f- a few points in, t- in the show where there were some passing clouds that obscured things but you know they actually do in that section of the ship where we were at they actually do kill the lights so it's really dark out there <laughs> and makes for great stargazing um, if the if the clouds cooperate and then on the last night was the uh, brand new again I think yeah it was actually the first night that the show had been offered on Sky Princess. So it hadn't been on any of the little of the earlier European cruises or the transatlantic. Um, and it's called Five Skies. It's kind of hard to describe. I, I'd say that it's really a, a production show that's that draws upon concepts of gaming and virtual reality. You know, I have to applaud Princess for kind of taking a, a, a risk there because it's really, I think, targeting um a a younger demographic i'm not sure i'm not sure that uh you know that uh uh, boomers and and older cruisers will be as enamored with the show um because like i said it really draws heavily on on virtual reality and and gaming concepts a lot of great technology as you would expect in the show um really awesome costumes um so glad i've seen it um don't know that I'd really, you know, try to necessarily go see it again. Um, but you know, kudos to Princess for kind of stepping out of the stepping out of the norm and and taking a little bit of a risk on uh, on something. So, um, yeah. So that was that was all the entertainment that we managed to cram in in three days. <laughs> what kind of music can be found in and around the atrium at night? They had an acoustic guitar player. Um, I'm. We heard a little bit of him playing uh, when we uh, when we got on the ship. Yeah. So as far as the sea days, how were they with crowds and congestion? We had one sea day. And, you know, when we walked around, I saw there were, you know, plenty of plenty of loungers whenever we walked through. Um, It didn't, again, not sure. I'm not sure that our cruise, um, how completely full it was. So that possibly could have played a part in it. Um, But it, it did seem 
one of the things that that is a, again and a change in this ship compared to the previous ones is the whole main pool area has been redesigned. So the first couple um, Royal class ships, the main pool areas actually had fountains in them. So they would do like nighttime water shows. Nice idea, but people really want their pool space and you couldn't really use those areas during the daytime as regular pool areas. And so they completely ditched that for this and they put in more hot tubs as well and bigger and usable pool space. And again, with lounger space, you know, to go with that. So we didn't see that there was a big problem trying to trying to find a, a pool deck lounger, which, you know, that was good. So on this three night cruise, you just hit one port, which was really uh, Princess Cruise's private destination on the southern tip of Eleuthera called Princess Key. How was your day there? Um, it was nice. We had we had good weather. Actually, the, the cruise before, apparently it had been quite choppy wave wise, and they actually weren't able to port there because it's a tender port. So that's a factor, you know, with weather, of course. But, you know, we have, of course, had picture perfect weather. So that was good. We decided to kind of let the mad rush for the tenders get finished. So we because we had bought Voyage Long Pass to the thermal suite on board, which is called the Enclave. And so we decided to start our morning with a little time in the enclave and then like i said let all the all the rush for the tenders to get onto the island get past and so we actually didn't try to go to get a tender ticket until about 10:30 and then we were on the island by about 11 or so again you know no problems finding a lounger in the shade if you wanted i think you know there were probably a, a fair number of people that that chose to stay on board probably which you know and again i don't know that we were 100 percent sailing full definitely you could tell the island had been impacted pretty hard from the hurricanes and what i mean by that is the actual beach itself mm -hmm. um you could see you could tell there had been quite a bit of sand erosion it's always been a rocky beach so if you're looking for a private island that has the powdery soft sand, which I'm told Half Moon Key has, I haven't been there yet, um, but that's what my husband tells me who's been. If you're looking for that kind of sand, this is not the island for you. It's not that. And when you walk into the to the waterline, it's very it's very rocky, and it just seemed like it was even more so because I think there had been quite a bit of erosion of of the of the sand along the along the shoreline otherwise you know we just kind of hung out on on the beach they do a an island barbecue lunch nothing really super special you know hamburgers hot dogs it's any day when you're not at work on an island hey is a great day right <laughs> yeah. but in comparison to other cruise lines private islands and what you're starting to see coming out with pro from a private island perspective with MSC's brand new island and what Royal's doing with their islands. It's really time, I think, for Princess to step it up. Yeah, we actually passed you. We were going back to Miami from Nassau, and you were like probably just circling the Bahamas waiting to go to Princess Key the next day. And we passed, we were probably like, I don't know, maybe 2,000 feet apart from, I was on Norwegian Sky, and you right. were, and I was trying to text you and Scott, but I guess you had your phone off or something, but I was like, oh yeah. my gosh, we're so yeah. close. I know. I, I wish I would have seen that. Yeah, we chose we chose not to do uh, unlimited internet. Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah, I didn't actually. I wasn't actually online when you were. Yeah, when you were texting me about that. But uh, yeah, that would have been cool. That would have been cool. So, <laughs> so you make your way back. Actually, stuff. you know what? Let's um, 
<laughs> one thing I didn't ask you about the one thing I didn't ask earlier, uh, the smoking situation in the casino. How was that? Um, don't really know because we actually did not set foot at all, um, in the casino, uh, on this, on this cruise. And I was just, I was trying to remember here looking at the deck plan. We didn't actually go into the casino and the times that we were in the piazza area on that deck, deck six, I, I don't recall noticing any, any cigarette smoke, you know, smell in the piazza area on that, on that deck. Did you get any drink packages on this ship? The only thing that we did is the classic soda package for this for this cruise. So that gets you, you know, pop and smoothies, not milkshakes, though, not coffee, freshly squeezed uh, fruit juices. Yeah. So we did not do any al- alcoholic beverage package for this cruise. So the, the ones, the few that we did, we just paid, you know, a la carte for <laughs> So you make your way back to Port Everglades. How was Debark? Debark was was good. We um, I think we had luggage tags or, or, or uh, group disembarkation tags for about seven twenty or so, but we decided yeah we were just going to kind of linger a little bit longer. Um, so we walked off the ship about eight fifteen and walked right to uh, to customs and the global entry line was actually open which it has never been open um in all in the in the times we've been since we've had global entry um but it was actually open so yeah we walked through that quite quickly had a little bit of congestion trying to get out of the port uh in our lift to get to the airport but we were still we were still to the airport by nine o'clock so it was pretty efficient a couple of questions here any noticeable differences you mentioned that the take five was new for this one I know that looking at the deck plans and being on that Lido deck, it looks like the seawalk is reconfigured. Right. So on the on the older class ships, you had on one side you'd had the seawalk, and it would extend out off the side on the side of the ship, and there were cabins that were all that you could see from the seawalk, and then on the other side was the sea view bar. So that's how it was was structured on the other ships. So with this ship. They decided to take the sea view bar and and take it off the side and move it into the middle of the deck and actually greatly expand it. It's a much larger bar than than what it is on the on the other ships. And what that allowed them to do then is just basically to add some additional additional seating areas in in that area. And then on the side where the seawalk is, there is still you can still look through the glass you know, sections on the floor and, and look down, down to the promenade deck and, and see the see the ocean water. So that was that's they tweak that a bit in comparison. In terms like obviously there's the new specialty dining I mentioned, the Bistro Sur Le Maire. They did um, they redesigned the the main pool areas. They added an infinity pool or a, close to an infinity pool in the aft of the ship. And that was awesome. We did spend some time in, in the infinity pool. And that was that's a very nice addition. So, again, notice, you know, responding to the criticism of not having enough pool type area space on the on the ship um that was good i think the two biggest things that in comparison to the past ships that people have missed about this ship is one there's no crooners bar and that's where you would have the piano player perform so that's a big that's a big absence on this ship and then there's not a wheelhouse bar so there is a bar that's located on the outside next to the crown grill but they just simply call it the crown grill bar and it's a very it's an open a wide open space on previous ships the wheelhouse bar 
would be near Crown Grill. And it would be more enclosed, dark woods, nautical theme, he will house name. And that's where they would do on sea days the the pub lunch. So if you're if you're familiar with Princess cruising on Princess, you'll know that was a, that's a very popular thing. A con, they do a complimentary pub lunch on sea days. They didn't offer it on on our cruise, but of course that could have just been because it was only a three day cruise. I honestly don't know if they're if they're going to do the pub lunch on this on this ship, and where'd they do it because. This wide open Crown Grill bar just doesn't seem like a great space to do yeah. that. So I don't know. Maybe hmm. they're not going to offer the pub lunch yeah. um, on this ship. I'm I'm not sure. Um, but those are a couple of the the big differences that that people have have commented. I think most you know most prevalently on in comparison to you know her sister ships. Any first time tips to offer anyone sailing Sky Princess? Um, I would say. Um, that um, if you're a fan of just being able to relax uh, and enjoy the promenade deck, um, even though it's it's definitely not you know as expansive as as you have on past ships, there is you can find those kind of those classic sort of wood steamer recliner type chairs and the aft of the ship. We stumbled across them like the very last day, just kind of walking around the, on, the, on deck seven promenade, the, uh, like I said, the, the corners, each of the corners on the aft of the ship. We said, oh, here's where those, here's where those chairs are with the nice blue cushions and the footstools. Um, now one side of the ship, I think it's the port side, is the smoking section. So, um, so if, you're, if you're not a smoker, you have to go on, only on the other side. But that's where we found some of those chairs that we've enjoyed in, on past cruises. The other thing that we discovered is that when you do the whole medallion class thing, there's, a, there's, a, there's an app that they encourage you to download on your phone. But what we discovered is that in the past, there's been what Princess has used called the concierge site through a, just a web browser on your phone. So not an app, but just through the browser. And we discovered that that site was actually still working and could actually be a little bit easier to to look up some things and do some things than in the actual app itself. So I'm not sure if that's just a transition period and they're going to discontinue that concierge uh, browser site, but we discovered that it was actually still working, which was kind of a surprise. So if you've used that in the past and like that, you might might try that. Chris, I didn't ask you, but with the Ocean Medallion and the device you had on, did you take part in ordering drinks from the phone and have them delivered to you? We actually did try that out. Um, and you want to do that because the first time that you do that on the app, your drink is free up to, I think, I don't know, $12.50. So don't miss out your opportunity to get a free drink. Definitely want to do that. So Scott tried it while we were uh, on our balcony. So he had, a, I think, a Mai Tai delivered to the stateroom um, that he enjoyed on our balcony. And then when we were at the infinity pool, we were by the Wakeview bar, but I was looking at the drink menu from, I think, the Seaview bar, and there was a drink that was offered on that bar's menu that I wanted to try. And so I did the app ordering for that and brought it right to me at poolside. So Very that worked. Cool. Yeah, that worked. That was that was fun. Worked out pretty well. And like I said, the first time, you, first time you order a drink through the app, it's free. Looking back, what was the biggest highlight of this cruise? I have to definitely say our cabin because we just really enjoyed 
the uh, the mini suite, the location of it on the on the Lido deck, uh, that balcony that we had was just absolutely amazing. Uh, so that was that was definitely uh, w- certainly one of the highlights. All right, we've been talking with Kristen about her three night inaugural cruise on Princess Cruises Sky Princess. Kristen, I appreciate you as always. Thanks for stopping by. Hey, no problem. Doug, what what do you have it set on? Is it on uh, dynamic or? And this is oh oh boy oh wow. In a world where a dangerous game of cat and mouse is played, a new wind was about to blow. Doug Parker developed CruiseRadio.net. Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at CruiseRadio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.